I was paralyzed and had no fear. I had a, uh, you know, an autoimmune disease as a kid that I still deal with. The mom was sitting there and we saw her kind of lean in. Yeah, and you felt it, you felt the energy. Yeah. You could hear like there was a pop up overhead saying, I'm hurting, I'm broken, fix me. There was anxiety of, we're never opening in. There was depression, there was all these different things, fear. And it always comes back to number one that I would say on my top 10, rituals and routines, right. right? I'm up super early and I'm doing that because we get one life and I want it to be my best life. Yeah. My grandpa was supposed to come see me play ball. He died. It was um, just come back from being paralyzed and uh, just wanted him there. He was choking and he died of a heart attack in the hospital. And he never got to see me play. Whew. Hey guys, Dr. John O'Connor here. We are launching our podcast today, and we are so excited to bring our thoughts and ideas about winning the day. Yeah, what's up, guys? I'm Matt. I work alongside Dr. O'Connor. Um, been with him for a little about over a year, certified CSCS. Um, all I can say right now is working alongside Doc. It's you know, Doc. It's a privilege, and feels good to have you not only as my boss but as a big mentor. Awesome. Appreciate that, guys. We're going to talk about uh, today on the podcast probably my top 10 things that I look at every day. And number one is AM rituals and routines and how you start the day really defines how you win the day. And um, Matt, I know that one thing that I'm always super excited with is that, you know, basically Monday through Sunday, uh, one of the common bonds that we have is that we're morning guys. We crush the morning. Um, we're very intentional and we're big on our routines and mental mindset and how we go into that. Uh, what's probably one of the biggest things that you find um, that sets you up for a great day when you're starting out at 4, 4.30 in the morning? Right, so when my first alarm goes off at 4.30, uh, my mind's already racing in a million different directions, but my one goal is you know, to win the day, and it starts with the morning, so you gotta win the morning, and that's waking up. I'm a big routine-oriented guy. Obviously, we fuel off each other. I text you my workouts, you do the same, and that's just what keeps me motivated is knowing, you know, I have my fiance at home. I have a great career. I love what I do for a living. That makes me want to push myself harder in and out of the gym on my routine. Awesome. So probably one of the big things that I've always been, you know, in my 25 years of being Doc the trainer to Dr. O'Connor, the um, chiropractor and healthcare practitioner, I've always been a, a rituals or routines person. But Post-COVID, um, you know, I went through it. And probably one of the biggest things that led me into this podcast is the hardships that we came into that we saw the world stop. The, uh, the set that we're on right now, we had just put in, you know, probably a million dollars uh, into this facility. And it was a huge playroom for my kids. And what I realized, and I think that the listeners and the people that are out there, they all kind of felt it, was that sitting with yourself and that silence and where it took you. And, um, you know, for me, it was, I touched all the boxes, right? There was anxiety of, we're never open again. There was depression. There was all these different things, fear. And I realized the importance of digging really deep into some of the key guys that that I'm motivated by and, you know, it really the lead in is my guy, Rob Gill, who, who really inspired me to, 
to look into deeper into the Ed Milets and the, uh, you know, the David Meltzers and um, you know, Randy Garn and all these people like that that are, they're leveling up on a whole different, um, you know, altitude, if you will. And, you know, it starts with a process. And for me to unravel what was going on in my head, I realized that that morning um, was so important to start with, you know, what am I grateful for? Um, you know, not turning on that blue screen and looking right into the phone to see who quit or what's not open or the bank account or any of those things that could set you off. And, you know, what you think about is what you bring about, right? So I didn't really appreciate that until I made it a standard that I wouldn't touch my phone unless I was putting on a podcast or I was putting on a meditation or something along those lines at, you know, four o'clock in the morning in the days that, you know, pre-COVID, um, point blank, my, my phone was 4 a.m. was, you know, tear shit up. Uh, 4.30 was win the MF day. And uh, I kind of had that Andy Frisilla approach of going after it. And I think um, I still have that, but I have a little bit more wisdom now that I realize it's so important that if I want to be the one that drives the day, that drives my team, that drives my family, that drives all the people that I care about around me, I need to be intentional, I need to be focused, and I need to be mentally uh, my best. And, you know, one of the, one of the great pieces or uh, excerpts out of uh, Ed Milet's book, um, One More Try, that I loved was um, he was with his uh, son, I believe, at the car wash or something, and, you know, a guy had saw him, and you could tell the guy was in his head, and he goes, you know, I think there was a birthday, and he said, hey, that's there, and you're never going to have that day again. And, you know... Ed was a remarkably successful guy, and I think he looked over at him and said, you know, it, it was basically a reflection of like, hey, you know, like, I'm excited about every year and every birthday and everything's a celebration. And I think so many people get caught up in that of what they used to be or what they used to have or who they used to have. And, you know, I think that so many times we get kind of raveled in that mindset that we don't know how to get out of it. And I think that, you know, we see it in healthcare all the time when people come in and they say what they want to do and they're hurt and they miss this and miss that. And when we inspire them to give them a whole new set of things, now they have failed to have that sense of worth, right. you know? Yeah. Um, Matt, what do you think as far as uh, some of the stuff, and I know I push a lot of books at you guys and um, I try to always inspire you guys to kind of be on the same mind pathway and I share my stuff with you as you well as your fiance and, and her amazing uh, dad and your future father-in-law. But um, what are one of the things that you think uh, that's inspired you since you've been on board with us. And, you know, the one thing I'd say is obviously I'm super thankful. Uh, Christian's uh, in the background of the set. And I got Matt here. Um, I'm blessed to have an amazing team. I think that, you know, you spend, most people don't realize when you spend most of your, your time in, uh, with your work team, um, they got to be like family. And uh, my first book and guys that I loved was Jocko Willink. I've always loved the Navy SEALs. I've always loved the military of that, you know, we go together, you know, and... Uh, you detach, you step back, you come up with a plan, you stick to the plan, and you're only as good as the level of respect you show each other. So for me, I'm blessed to you know, be in a situation that I feel like my team gets that. Um, we definitely demonstrate that on a daily level. If something goes wrong, everybody's taking ownership. No one's running from it. Everybody's running to it. And, uh, you know, that's something that's there. But anyway, Matt, what do you think is something that really, um, you know, 
you've been inspired with and it's made you feel like a better person and where you could see how to improve and be better each day. Right. So first off, back to what I said, Doc, it's, you know, a pleasure just having you working alongside you again, big Thank mentor you. to me, um, big, big figure. And, you know, throughout my career, I was just promised things that never happened, you know, moving up in certain companies, especially in the healthcare field and working with patients and was promised these things that never happened. And I had a big trust issue throughout my career with that. And I was fortunate enough to, you know, find Velocity, reach out to you guys about a year and a half ago and have the pleasure of working alongside you. And my motive every day working at Velocity is not only to help patients get better, be better, and, you know, be better mentally and physically, but myself too. It makes me a better human knowing what we do as a team, as a whole here at Velocity too, along, alongside you. It, you know, it just goes out to show to people that we truly care about what we do. That's really the biggest thing. We're not there to collect anything. We're there to help you physically and mentally, get you back to doing what you love to do best, get you back home to your kids, your wives, whatever it is that you do. When you come in crying to us, we want you to leave with a smile on your face. And that, my, that's really my drive and my motive is knowing what we do on a daily basis to help patients get better. It really is a true honor. Awesome, I like that. Um, one of the big things that I would say uh, Post-COVID, you know, we, we were expanding then and we rapidly expanded. We've added um, medical to our practice. We've added, uh, you know, our core four modalities, the healing modalities. And it's been quite amazing, um, the expansion of our practice. And the one thing that I would say that's more important than the tools we have uh, is something as simple as listening. Uh, and again, one of my mentors, uh, Rob Gill, is always saying, <laughs> Doc, level five listening. Level five. You know, That's and it. <laughs> um, he makes me laugh because it, it's, it's, I think when you're in triage care and meaning you're moving from patient to patient, you try so hard to retain as much as you can. Uh, but the reality is when you have that one-on-one -on -one opportunity um, with anybody, you know, and, and I realize it because when I'm attending one of my son's sports events or something for my daughter or something with my family, um, you try to be a better listener and hear not the words they're saying, but the meaning behind the words. And I feel like you really just uh, elevate your level of care. Uh, and I think that that's where it's back, when you take it back, that it's, I'm grateful for that. I, I don't think um, a lot of practitioners alike, you know, you're taught to have that God complex that you, you run the prison. Absolutely. You know, you don't, they don't yeah. tell you what to do. Right. But sometimes when you know, the patient is, and how many times we had it today, right? Uh, person comes in, we're doing our, our normal inquiries. We're asking questions. We're connecting with the young athlete and something came up with the PEMF therapy and how it helps with uh, nerve pain. And I always like, you know, regardless of my fitness level, I always kept myself in good shape. Um, you know, the mom was sitting there and we saw her kind of lean in mm -hmm. and, you, felt you know, the, yeah, and you felt it, you felt the energy yeah. that, you could hear like there was a pop up overhead saying, I'm hurting, I'm broken, fix me. Yeah. And you know, when I told her I was paralyzed and I had a, uh, you know, an autoimmune disease as a kid that I still deal with. And that's why I utilize the NAD plus strip and why I, I treat with the PEMF therapy and the class four laser and all the things that I do. And it always comes back to number one that I would say on my top 10 rituals and routines, right? right? I'm up super early and I'm doing that because we get one life and I want it to be my best life. Yeah. 
And I think when we can give that conviction, that power, that drive to that patient and they feel it, some people may say that's a promoter. Some people may say that's a, a salesman. No. But I think we're not, it's real. We're not here for that. It's yeah. all education is key. Yeah. You know, we learn that from so, you. It starts from the front. Yeah. And I, and I agree. And, you know, and I think that's, that's probably one of the, the greatest moments that when I go back to uh, when I really started thinking about what is the word gratitude mean to me and what am I grateful for? Being able to look a person in the eye and tell them what I've been through or what I'm dealing with and how I've come out from it and how I'm rebuilding myself makes me happy, right? I may not be doing what I did at 30, but, you know, pushing 50, I feel pretty amazing. Right. And I think one of the things about this podcast and the direction we want to go with it is motivating people to realize, hey, you know what? If you're 50, you're not 40, but it's okay. Be the best version of you at 50, right? If you're 30, and you know you were an elite athlete as a high school player, maybe college, and now you're you're lost. Hey, it's okay. What can you do now to be the best version of you to right. fill that void and establish that gratitude component in your life? Right. And then stick to that plan, and you know, and then share it with other people. Because yeah. the one thing that I see uh, over the years of, especially the coaching and mentoring that I did early in my career, when we opened, when we first launched Excel Fitness, was. I was so short-sighted with my kids. I was just so excited to be working with young athletes and getting them there. And then I had them from middle school to high school to college. And you know, some of them were fortunate enough to play pro. And that void when they were done. And you know, it shame, hits you like a brick wall. Yeah. No matter what level, when you're done playing as an athlete, high school, college, pro, when you're done, you're you're lost. You know, it's that identity. Yeah. Right. And. Uh, and so again, like I said, back to the focus of this podcast, it's, it's kind of like a rebirth. You know, like I believe that you're constantly reinventing yourself and you're constantly improving and you're constantly trying to say, hey, you know what? Can't do that anymore, but I can do this and I do it really damn well. And, uh, and I want other people to know that, hey, you know what? You're right. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. But I do this and I couldn't do that a year ago. So I'm pretty happy with that. Right. And you know what? A year from now, I might pick something else up that I didn't do two years ago. And you know what? I'm pretty happy about that right. too. And I think that's probably another thing that we see in healthcare that I've seen in a quarter century of treating, you know, well over 15,000 patients now is hearing people live in the past, mm-hmm. right? And, and getting to say, hey, you know what? Why don't you celebrate the past? Yeah. Right? And use that as a, um, you know, a launch pad for what the amazing future you're going to create. Right. And, and then also learn from it, right? I mean, how many times do I look back and say, you know, why I started and launched this huge campaign for recovery and self-care because when I was grinding in my 20s and 30s and I was going from my morning workout to treating 100 patients to evening training uh, and grabbing meals on the go, I would look back at those pictures and I would say, goodness gracious, I am so exhausted in these pictures. And I think so many people get in that, I I joke around and call it the Northeast rut, but I think it's global. Yeah. I think that people get so caught in that grind that they're just pushing and pushing and pushing. Just wear themselves down. And then the battery's on E, they don't know it. And then they have either emotional or physical collapse or, you know, even more tragic when they have both. Right. Um, I think that's one of the things that, again, when we circle back to why have a podcast, why create something like that, is to make that connection with people to say, hey, been there. Right. Did it. Right. You know, and, uh, and when people are circling off the injury boxes, and I chuckle, I haven't had the, the best luck with that, whether it was the time I broke my back or the time I fractured my skull right. or the time I was paralyzed. I have pretty good stories yeah. uh, to meet me at a bar or a wedding and have the chit-chats, and they're like, well, what'd you do? You know, and I'm like, well, I had those to start, you yeah. know. And, um, but I look back and I say, you know what, I'm thankful. 
You know, I I think every crunchy, crackling joint I have in my body comes with a story. Right. And, uh, but it's better than the alternative, right? Absolutely. So, um, and I don't think I've ever asked you this actually, Doc. Behind all your injuries, even when you were paralyzed, you broke your back, fractured your skull, what was your biggest motive behind getting back to where you were? That's a great question. Um, So my oldest injury or illness was being paralyzed at 15 years old. And it was always a family, you know? And, uh, you know, I get emotional thinking about it, you know? And um, I got to tell you, you know, it's like, you know, that's that deep thing. I remember being so excited to, um, you know, have my grandfather see me play basketball or, uh, hold on. (laughs) It is. Crazy. All good. That's why we're here. Yeah, man. I'll tell you the why. Offset. Yeah. My grandpa was supposed to come see me play ball. He died. (sighs) It's. And uh, it was like my first, uh, oof. I don't even ever shared this. No. It was um, just come back from being paralyzed and uh, just wanted him there. And he had my dad has now. And uh, he was choking and he died of a heart attack in the hospital. And he never got to see me play. Whew. Let's circle into that. That's a great, yeah. that's a great thing, like that. Matt. So if I was telling you on AM rituals and routines and people ask all the time, we always bring it into the injury process, right? Um, but what we really started to do was just spin it in there to say, hey, what are you going to get up with and what can you affect, what can you change, right? And I love that. That was a, a Navy SEAL thing is what can I affect, right? right? And um, so I tell them, hey, first mindset's everything. You're going to get up. You're not going to wallow in bed. Yes, we know you hurt yourself, your ankle, your back, your knee. Get some heat on it. Get moving, right? And uh, one of my therapists, we have an amazing team, is always saying motion is lotion. Shout out to Emily. And, uh, you know, and it's the truth. Once you light that spark, light that candle, and you get that fear in your head, because I think fear has taken out more people than pain, right? right? The fear of it coming on. And so when they get moving, they're like, oh, that's not so bad. And I don't know how many times that I joke around and say it was almost like a Dr. Sarno, like a placebo effect almost, that the patient almost immediately feels better. Yeah. And they have that shift, right? It's all a mindset. And, you know, exactly. And so when they can conquer that mindset, so the first thing is mindset. Know that, think about what you're going through emotionally. Think about what you're going through physically. Think about what you control, you know, getting up, get yourself moving, get heat on it, get ice on it. Um, get out for a quick walk. Then do an assessment, right? right? And I think when people do that in their rituals and routines, it puts them in a much better headset. You know, once they know, like, they get past that, like, oh, I'm not going to put my shoe on. Oh, I can't cross my legs. Right. Oh, I can't tie my yeah. shoes. Oh, I can't help with the dog. Now, all of a sudden, when that fear goes down, production goes up, and now the routine becomes a little bit more confident. Now it's like when we talk about sports, we say, hey, you know, it takes 10,000 repetitions for it to become your skill, right? Well, we have 70 to 90,000 thoughts a day, mm-hmm. and 80% of them are the same exact thought. Yeah. So if we could program ourselves to say 70% of those thoughts are going to be positive, they're going to reinforce uh, healthy habits, now all of a sudden those ritual routines are coming from a place of production, productivity. Right. And, uh, and I think that's a good spot. Right. So 
I didn't expect him to hit that yeah. nerve. And I, and, I, and I was laughing. I was thinking about, I had this dream like a couple months ago that I was so upset. And I saw my dad because my dad's dying. And it literally what brought it on was your grandma passing. And my dad didn't miss a game this year because he knows he's dying. And when I hear Ed Milet talk with the breathing, you know, my dad's in that mode now. You know, and, uh, you know, he'll call and he's like, Johnny. Yeah, dad. I'm not going to be able to go hunting today. Okay, dad. Want me to come get you? Nope. I'm good. And you just realize it's like all those years, you know. And I, I have to tell you, I'd love to be sitting next to Ed Milet because when I was sitting there out in Vegas and I watched him speak. Yeah, I remember you telling <laughs> me about that. It, it killed me. Yeah. And, you know, I've grown up a pretty hard dude been going through stuff. You know, anybody who knows me in the training realm knows that I, I've always brought it. I've prided myself on my toughness. Right. Um, I fractured my skull on a Sunday. I trained Monday night. Uh, <laughs> I worked out in the morning the day after and saw like a record day of like 120 patients. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, but when you think about loved ones and you think about those moments that you're not going to have, that's deep, you know, and, uh, so I, I believe that, you know, so many things we come back to, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's a wow moment, yeah. you know, um, yeah. you know, too, it's a great question. The lead in would be this is ask me what and where I experienced PEM first. Right. And, you know, it didn't dawn on me until COVID. And then it hit me again where I was having like another, yeah. you know, episode. And I was like, you know what, I have to do better at the self-care. Right. And then I started looking deeper. I, yeah. re- I read the book like 10 times life yeah, yeah. force with Tony Robbins. And I was like, I have to do better. I have to challenge myself. I have to invest in myself, which right. is investing to the practice and our core four, which is our PEMP pulse electromagnetic field mm-hmm. therapy, our class four laser, our shockwave, um, and our cryotherapy. Yep. They were all amazing components. Yeah. And you start reading these things and you see, oh, wow, benefits of shockwave with patients with MS. And I ran into a guy with MS today and PEMF, I was in Las Vegas uh, at a chiropractic seminar and my feet were on fire. I don't know yeah. if I wore shoes for a year other than training. Uh-huh. I didn't miss anything. I was just sucking it up. And I was like, all right, let me try this. And, you know, coming from the nightclub business when I was in Atlanta in grad school and everything that was going on, I always loved nice stuff. I had on some badass Prada shoes and literally like tossed them across and put right. my slides on. I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> so I ran into this lady and she's like, you know, super Southern. She's like, Hey doc, you should try this. And I did like an hour session and, and much like our patients, I passed right out. Uh-huh. And you just don't realize like the, the level of fatigue and stress. And you know, that was the one thing with my growing up with my dad, it was always like, suck it up. Yeah. You know, and, and I right. see myself doing that with my kids, especially my son. And I'm always like, you're good. And, and you realize how tough you can be. Right. Right. But sometimes tough's just not enough. And then sometimes you got to get you know, science involved and, I knew I didn't want to do medication. You know, I went and saw, you know, being Dr. O'Connor in Monmouth County, you know, thousands of doctors at your, uh, at your resource, you know, at your resources uh-huh. available to you. And I was like, hey, well, let me try this. And when we were out there, I was amazed. I was like, wow, you know, I feel pretty good. I slept. I was, I was more in tune that I, I picked up a couple more devices that worked similar, but it wasn't like the PEMF. You know, fast forward me, that's three or four years yeah. prior to COVID. And I noticed that with my nerve condition, uh, autoimmune, whatever you want to refer to it, when I was most stressed, I was felt when my you worst. felt it, yeah. Right? And that immersed me deep into Dr. Sarno, understanding that mind-body connection and those doctors like that. 
because I wanted to understand when I saw patients going through chronic health issues that would get lost in, in traditional care. I was and like, it's funny because you're never one to break down. Yeah. And I don't apologize for hitting that nerve because yeah. it means a lot. And seeing you talk to patients, you're not one to to crack when they do. And yeah. that's what's amazing to me is how you feel them instantly when you walk in the room. Yeah. You know, like the patient today we experienced, you felt her voice start to crack. Yeah. You shut the door, did your thing, and she's coming in for a PEMF consult. Yeah. And, you know, fueling off of that, when you first got introduced to post-electromagnetic field therapy before even thinking about bringing it on to velocity, what was your number one reason on why you wanted to bring it into the practice? You know, it's a great question. I wanted to feel better, right? Um, I was tired of being identified by my feet. Right. or by my ache or my hurt. And uh, so I thought that if I could find the code, everybody, you know, now in 2023, everything's a biohack. Everything is- Everyone high, wants the magic pill. Everybody wants the magic pill. And for me, I kept thinking rituals and routines, get on the PEMF, increase my, uh, you know, my nutrients, increase my exercise. And, you know, the exercise, as much as it has a great value, what I really realized was, the calming effect of the PEMF was where I needed to exist. And because I think I was always driven on, you know, espresso and uh, right. <laughs> adrenaline and go, 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 go. And I, and I envy you young guys and yeah. you guys push like that. I, I realized that that calmness and putting and optimizing my nerves was really what's going to give me my best health, my yeah. best version of myself. Without a doubt. I didn't want to be identified as, you know, constantly broken, constantly hurt. Uh, like so many people are out there, so many patients that we're blessed to treat and help. And I think that's probably one of the biggest connecting things that when they're looking at you and they're like, hey, you know, you were in great shape. How everyone forgets, and Christian was alongside me pretty much every day. I was 100, I'm 205 pounds right now. I think I'm right around 4% body fat, whatever. I was all the way down and I was 220 uh, during COVID when I took that one injury and I got all the way down to 187 pounds. Right. And, uh, you know, and it's something, and I think ego is, it's funny, you know, ego is definitely a disease, you know, and I think ego is probably the biggest thing I had to get past and get over because I was absolutely crippled by the thought of not being doc, right. not being able to go out there and run kids into the ground or be the best trainer, right. be the best everything. And then I realized, you know, what can I do? What can I transcend into to be better at that and make that my power? Right. And that's when education and the technology and the core four and all these different things really was like an enlightenment, if you will. And through people that came around me, like Rob Gill, my team, Christian, yourself, um, that alignment brought me to the level that I'm at now. Right. That I want to be uh, on the world stage. I want to be talking to people about the importance of being driven to be their best and understand the importance of balance between mind and body right. and to take a step back when they can't figure out what's going on. And then something as simple as being able to take a deep breath. And I didn't realize what anxiety was until you have it and you go to take a deep breath and the person that's normally calm can just go. And that person that has anxiety is like this. And you ask them, hey, do you have quick. any allergies? Mm -hmm. Do you have any pulmonary issues? No, no, and no. And you realize that person's existing in that sympathetic fight or flight state, and they are completely oblivious, and they don't realize they might have been in that 
mindset for six months, right. six years. It's just unbelievable. Right. And that's what's amazing about us having the PEMP therapy is, you know, besides being in pain and, you know, accelerate your body's natural healing process in that sense. We have so many patients that come in that are strictly treating for depression, anxiety. One patient last week when you went in for the, her follow-up, within 12 treatments, yep. she was remembering her dreams. Her nightmares went away. She was a lot more calm. So it really is amazing what PEMF does. And I'm so, you know, happy that we have it and we're able to treat patients with it. And it, it really is an amazing modality. I think the other thing that I was blown away with as we're expanding and we're putting so much content out there. And I think that's really your job, right? When you get to a level of greatness, and I don't care whether you're a professional athlete, a professional uh, craftsman, doctor, you have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to educate the masses and bring it to them because you're not always going to be there. And so if you can light a candle for someone else to do what you do to help people and help many people, you've done something beyond um, what you, ever your intention was for financial right. uh, reward or even personal reward. Um, you've given other people hope. Right. And like, much like, uh, you know, uh, attending a bar mitzvah, um, you know, or something like that when you say light a candle, uh, but to be like that selfless act you know, I think when you get in this setting uh, and you can educate people on the benefits, I am blown away to see that people reach out. And the reality is, is that they don't reach out for the ankle injuries. Right. They don't reach out for the knee pain. They reach out for the deep hurt, yeah. the anxiety, the sleepless nights, right. the depression. And, and it can be from chronic pain. But once your brain gets involved, it is so important to get back to your rituals and routines, to get back to be able to breathing. And I know they, you know, they call it like heart breathing and, and all these different um, words that are new to me now that I'm like in this space and immerse myself so deeply. It, it's really wonderful. And when you can teach people, like there's a great balance of the endorphins release and fitness, right. but there's also an amazing benefit to being one with yourself. Right. To be able to sit with yourself yeah. and... Think about everything that's going on that you feel good about. Think about what you don't like. One of the biggest things, um, I was paralyzed and had no fear. Um, and it's amazing that I say that out loud, like I was paralyzed. The whole left side of my body was 80% uh, diminished in motor skill and fine motor skill right. uh, when I was a teenager. When I hurt myself in my uh, mid to late 40s, I was literally petrified to lean over the kitchen sink uh, to do anything or to shave. Right. And then I realized how important it was to retrain my body to celebrate the wins. And then even more importantly, the mind. Right. Right? The mind is in control of the body. The body's not in control of the mind. Right. Right? And when I would say to myself, hey, you did that. Celebrate that. Hey, you did that. You know, and something as silly as putting your socks on or... It's a win. You know, it's a win. You have to celebrate every little thing. And I, and I really believe, uh, and one of our uh, business coaches today who I adore, Jeff Jones, uh, would always say, do the little things or celebrate the little things and the big things will be that much more special. And it's so true. And, um, you know, I, I laughed, you know, uh, you know, my wife and I, uh, years, 10 years ago, built this uh, amazing... Um, you know, bathroom, sit down, shower, whatnot. And uh, I wouldn't sit down. And I remember sitting there saying, all right, today's the day. 
And I, I went to get David Goggins' approach, and I was putting posts everywhere. I was building up. I'm like, all right, shower, sit down, <laughs> shower, sit down. And I got to the shower door, and I go, holy crap. And it was like being a great adventure, and I don't know if free fall is still there or any scary rides. When I got sick and I was paralyzed and an eye patch on, my boys um, put me on all those rides. Uh-huh. And they're like, don't be afraid. We're here with you, and you can do it. And when I got to there, I literally thought of them back being a teenager and literally and, – and, we were like Sandlot. Yeah. And here are these two monstrous guys holding my hand. They're like, you got this, John. You know, and I went in there and I had to take a deep breath. And I was like, holy mackerel. And I sat down. I was like, okay. And then I went to, I did it. And, you know, stuff like that. And I, and I tell patients whether they're coming back from a knee replacement or a back injury or back surgery or, you know, just a sprained strain or something like that. You got to celebrate that. And I laughed because something is silly to, to that, you know, some other person hearing us right now. To me, that was like winning the lottery that day. Right. Because for six months, I was absolutely petrified to even step in the shower, let alone think about sitting down and trying to get back up from the position. Right. So, you know. And just thinking about patient came in the other day. She saw us about two, three visits doing, you know, the core four post-electromagnetic field therapy, shockwave, class four laser, and local cryo. She looked at you down your eye and said, can I give you a hug right now? Those are the words we love to hear because it only means one thing. Help them. We're helping them get better. She's feeling a little better. It's usually the opposite. It's usually you telling the patient, come here, let me give you a hug. We got this. Yep. But it was reversed, and that's how you knew right away something's working. So it's amazing to see the technology. It is impressive. Uh, I'm always taken back. You know, one of the things we had a, a patient in the other day, and I think she was actually talking to Christian, and then she had said that, you know, she takes medicine, uh, you know, or anti-inflammatories, you know, periodically if needed. And she said they usually have no effect. So she's like, there's no reason to put it through my body. It doesn't help me. And she'd been feeling better and she got more range of motion. She was sleeping a little bit better. And she's probably two weeks in on the PEMF therapy and had a little bit of an ache and was traveling for her son's basketball or whatever. And she took an Advil just as a precautionary measure. And she was literally like, this is working yeah. because I was literally contemplating surgery and I would take it and it didn't help. And I was thinking to myself, I'm killing my body. I'm killing my kidneys. I'm killing my liver. And she's like, I don't even think I needed it. I think it would have, right. would have turned the corner on its own. And we give people hope right. from educating the science and the benefits and explain to them, Hey, it's going to take time, but you've been suffering for three years. Right. You know, and that's probably the greatest um, reward that I see in practice all the time is that, here we are treating, you know, treating a patient that's been complaining about something for three years or they had a surgery and it failed and we're working on them and they're like, I feel better. Right. Right. And, you know, it's that hope. It's that gratitude that, yeah. hey, you know, one of the things we talk about level five listening, how do we circle that back? That's one thing I think our team does well at Velocity is to remind them, hey, when you wake up tomorrow, repeat what you just said to me again to yourself. Celebrate that when you're by yourself. Right. And uh, I think that's huge. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And, you know, our routine is you go in with the eval, the new patients. I follow up with you going over, you know, prescribed treatment plans, go over it with that patient. That being said, before I come in that room to meet with you and the patient, if I was your patient and said, I've tried everything, I don't know what else I can do to get me out of this pain. Could be anything, hip pain, back pain, knee pain. What would you say to me? You know what? That's been... Um, that's a great question. That's a, oh, that's a great statement. Um, I would say in our 20 plus years in practice, 
that is something we've heard all the time. And, you know, quite frankly, as a chiropractor, and I know that I just saw a post about this the other day, and there are some amazing chiropractors out there, and now we're on the forefront of professional sports and whatnot. We're usually the last resort. And now I feel like, you know, being on the front line of what we offer, when a patient says, I've tried everything, well, you haven't been here. Right. And let me listen deeper. Are you doing the mental work? Are you doing the physical work? Um, are you consistent, right? Um, are you chasing the pain? Are you looking at the cause? And I have to tell you, you said something earlier, and this is so true, is this is usually the emotional moment for the patient. And I apologize usually right before it's about to happen because when I say that to him, Christian's been in there, he's probably shaking his head in the background right now, they start crying and usually wailing. Yeah. Because they are frustrated, they are scared, um, they feel hopeless. And if we can get those small wins and we can get them to appreciate those small wins from the AM rituals and routines, you know, you know, instead of thinking thoughts of negativity and so many times people focus on the negative, right. but to focus on the positive and celebrate that, well, positive thoughts become things too. Right. Right. And that system, right, is something that I see work all the time. I am always intrigued and I walk up to strangers, whether I'm traveling in the airport or I'm at the beach or a restaurant, and they look like they're in terrible pain or they should be, and they are happy and they are smiling. And I just start talking, they're like, never felt better in my life. Yeah. And then you can see people that look broken with no ailments and injuries. And so you realize how important the positive mental attitude or how important it is to have that mindset that you're grateful to be here in this moment. Right. And that's what's amazing because our like our initial intakes that Christian and myself do pre-calls with your new patients coming in. The biggest question on that intake is, are you want to suffer from, whether it's chronic migraines, headaches, but are you want to suffer from depression and anxiety? And I know with pain comes that, but there are a lot of people out there that just suffer and don't speak up, don't talk, don't say anything. And when they tell us yes, say, great, mark it down, working alongside Dr. O'Connor, um, we'll put together the proper treatment plan for you. And when they come in, that's when they break down. And at the end of the day, little behold, they're either treating on pemp therapy, local cryo to calm their nerve endings down. Now, your opinion on uh, local cryo as opposed to full body cryo, how would you separate the two? That's a good question. So I had a patient ask me about that today and it, it comes up quite often in conversation with my athletes and uh, friends and you know weekend warriors, et cetera. I love full body cryo. I think there's a great place for that. But I believe when people are in acute or subacute pain, um, that average person, uh, if they haven't had exposure to it, to ask them to drop into something that's, you know, sub-zero below 260 degrees below freezing for three minutes is a daunting task for them, right? And then we talk about, you know, fear, failure, and frustration, right? right? And so when we look at the local cryoscience, I can target an area, I can have them in, in, a, in a, they're not in a room, there's no like claustrophobic feel that you're in a, a freezing chamber and we can treat that knee, the hip, the back. And while they're feeling it and we explain it, and that's one thing that I really say, think we do great as a, a team, is we explain every modality. Not only do we have them sign waivers to let them know, you know, and consent to treat and all that kind of stuff that we're required to do. I think we take pride 
in the education process. We do. So, and I think when patients understand what they're getting and the benefits, I feel like they go home and they ask questions or like today, the, the patient that shared yeah. uh, the facial pain and she was mm -hmm. going for cryofacials trying to wake it up. And when somebody is desperate like that and they don't know when to ask for help, I think that she really felt uh, from the conviction that we put into her son, like, I believe they can help me. Yeah. And she felt I, comfortable enough to really explain. She even said her, her husband said, you're not the same person. Yeah. When somebody says that, that hits here. Yes. And that's where Dr. O'Connor comes in. So agreed. Agreed. Um, I have to say, you know, that's, that's one of the things that, again, you know, I'm a big book guy when the business over the years, uh, we've had lots of ups and downs, um, you know, and, and growth and brought on business coaches and, you know, it's the business of healthcare, right? You have to have staff. And one of the things that I realized in business and in healthcare, and it really is the same thing, just like family life or personal life, guys that are guys, girls dating, whether you're going through, uh, you're married, you're engaged, you're going through separation or divorce. Um, it's about leading from the front. And whatever you do in those situations when you lead with integrity and dignity, right. um, when people are hurt and you do that, they are blown away. Yeah. And when you can show that common uh, side of you that, hey, I've been there. Right. And when you slow down and, you know, how many times people say that to me, um, wow, you speak really fast. And then when I slow down and I tell them, well, I'm level five listening and level five communicating right now. I understand. I am completely uh, engaged in this conversation. Right. I believe I can help you. Right. Let's get started. Uh, it's an emotional time for them. I can tell that I've connected to them. They, they think and believe on the education we provided during the, the interrogatory or the question part of the exam right. that we can genuinely get them where they need to go. Yeah, 100%. And just, you know, our patient this morning always comes in around 730, um, which, you know, one privilege about working at Velocity, early birds anyway, we start treating at 7 a.m., which really there's no other clinic that does that. So, um, and that's before PT starts and everything, which is amazing in and of itself. But our patient this morning, um, he was one to stick to your prescribed treatment plan, the routine, been treating on the PEMF, shockwave laser, and local cryo. And he's a big, big golfer, was very upset, extremely upset actually, that he, he's a member at a golf club, can't golf. This was about two months ago, about eight, nine weeks ago. And this morning he's walking in and telling me when I was setting him up on the PEMF that he played nine holes yesterday without pain we're treating him for his right glute right hip and he said this is the best he's felt since this time last year on the golf course and this is his third round of treatments but moving forward going off of that he fully understands the why behind your set prescribed treatment plan why you're not one to prescribe say six sessions and then they just stop and then they're still in pain you know, he's one to stay focused on what he truly has to do. Now, my question going off of that is how, in your mind, how do you prescribe that set treatment plan for somebody who's not super active, maybe plays golf once or twice a week, wouldn't say chronic pain, but, you know, low back pain for about five weeks and they feel a little tweak, a little tightness on the golf course. How would you go about prescribing a treatment plan for them and what would that be? That's a great question. So when a patient... Uh, comes in in that situation and they don't have a remarkable history, if you will, uh, in clinical terms, we immediately talk to them about how's your hydration, 
what's going on, what type of work do you do? Look at the extraneous or look at all the factors. Um, and traditionally, we'll ask them the, the number one thing. How are you with making time for yourself? And if the patient says... Most of the time, not good. Yes, right? And they come right back yeah. and they say, I have no desire to be here for three months, right? right? And that's where we need a team like we, we have at Velocity where I go through and I'll say, okay, well, you know, for the sake of the conversation, I'll say, hey, Mark, you know what? Let's give this a great go for three times a week for two weeks. We're going to get into the area. We're going to loosen it up. Um, you know, we'll get some diagnostics. If you, you know, it's your first episode of back pain, but you are at this age, symptoms warrant it, we'll get an x-ray, gives them peace of mind. There's nothing structurally wrong or broken and get into that treatment plan. When we do that, I think the biggest thing is not only just listening, but communicating. And when you're treating the patient and they've accepted the care plan, uh, and then you go through and you start asking these questions, and I stress that with my team, as we know, uh, is how are you feeling? Right. And not, it's a great day. Right. How are you feeling with your back? How are you moving? How are you twisting? And how are good, you good or I feel okay. Yeah, that's not no good enough. No change. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, we saw it with one of the stories you were bringing up earlier. Um, I had a feeling. A extremely tough woman had been through two previous lower back surgeries. One failed, and then she went in for a one or two level fusion. So she was a little reluctant to talk about positive surgical outcomes. So she wanted to do her best to get better. Right. right? And, you know, I explained to her that she'd be feeling better. And Friday, she actually did feel great. She felt so great. She cleaned her house for like seven or eight hours yeah. on the next Saturday. Yeah. And then Sunday, she was in tears, and there was a trip coming up. And great dialogue, right? And again, it's the reassurance we understand. Um, and I involved a, uh, a medical, you know, medical doctor in uh, to prescribe a, um, you know, a, a, a Z pack, or not a Z pack, rather, a uh, medial dose pack and a muscle relaxer for nighttime. In that 24-hour period, she was brought to tears in how she felt with the treatment we gave her and how we slowed down time and we gave her an, you know, a double treatment on the day of that appointment. Yeah. We coordinate everything from bring her to the patient, uh, to the facility, get care, following up and talk right. to her after. And seeing her walk in, uh, to your point later, <clears throat> um, it makes you feel grateful that you can change someone that's in pain and bring them relief, right? right? And bring them a sense of hope and uh, when you do that, that's winning. That's winning at a, a very high level. Right. So. And, you know, going off of that, you have to win the week, win the day, win the hour. You know, it's a step-by-step -step process when you're in pain like that. You're so, you're amazing at what you do from a clinical standpoint, but you're also amazing just to watch with how you interact with patients. Now, if there was one thing you can tell any patient out there, it doesn't have to be a patient at Velocity, if you're in pain... Do you seek for help? Do you wait? What's word to wise? What would be your advice to them? When to ask for help? Oh, it's a great question. So I'm always intrigued by uh, my, I don't know, I'm not saying anything against guys here, don't take this the wrong way, but my female population, especially my moms, are ridiculously rugged, tough, tough. <laughs> right? And they'll talk about a sciatica-like pain they've had for two years. Um, they can't sit down. They can't do this. They can't do that. And they are feeling remarkably better. Right. Right. And, or let me start that again. They're not feeling better. And here it is two years later. 
and we go through that, you know, those are always those emotional catharsis, if you will, um, where they have the breakdown. I don't have time, I don't have this, I don't have that, until there's a major event coming, a wedding, right. uh, something where they feel like that to look good, and now they're taking time for themselves. Yeah. And when it's pain, I think the gold standard should be if you're no longer working out, you're out of your routine, and you're not sleeping within that first week, jump on it, right? That's the time. That's the time to raise your hand. That's right. the time to DM somebody. That's the time to call or text um, and get in for that visit. Because when you can deal with those pains um, and aches on the front end before it gets into your head, I think you're so far ahead of the game. Once you have the fear of movement, once you have the apprehensive nature to like, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. I don't back squat. I don't deadlift. Um, that's hard. Right. That's the mental piece of pain. Right. It went from being an ankle sprain, a backache, a back hurt to uh, I can't that fell on the ground. Who's picking it up? Yeah. And all the back pain people won't go. Right. Now you see the person and, and they say in the studies all the time, it's that one percenter that has no fear of an injury. Yeah. Right. Right. And so they get hurt. They're like, I'll be better in two days. Yeah. And they believe it in their soul. Right. And so if if we can get them to understand through constant education, constant social media, um, broadcasting and, and now the amazing uh, podcast we're launching, I truly believe, and this goes for people all over the country, all over the world, is that being proactive, self-care to a point, right? You're not getting better. You actually feel like you're getting, going backwards. Jump on that. Yeah. Get in to go see a competent, proficient um, healthcare provider that cares and have an assessment. And from there, then make a decision. But you've made an educated decision on, okay, this is going to work. I'm going to go with this. I'm going to invest in them to get me better. Or at least it's a solid sounding board to where you go from there. Right. And going off of what you just said, Doc, you know, working alongside you and having Christian on, uh, you know, our side as well. Um, I take pride in when it comes to working with patients of caring like you just mentioned, anybody could go see any type of provider or health clinic out there, but not everybody cares. Sometimes a first visit could be 35, 40 minutes. They leave. They're like, well, what the heck now? I didn't do anything. What's next? This and that. I'll tell you what, there's probably not one new patient that comes in. That's not there for less than two hours. Right. And they always are there on a straight schedule. I have to get out, but listen, at the end of the day, we're always educating them and you're coming up with the newest, best technology. And by the way, guys, Dr. O'Connor is big with, if he truly believes in something, a science therapy modality, he calls Christian and I, we have it two days later, we're trained up on it and we're treating patients with it. You know, it's amazing to see you evolve in that sense, because just thinking about it, Five months ago, we had one pulse electromagnetic field unit, one shockwave unit, not even local cryo. And now we have three PEMF units, three shockwaves, two local cryos, two class four lasers. And it's amazing to see us evolve as a team and just see you evolve as well because you're always bringing in the newest, um, most updated type of science to help accelerate the body's healing. Love it. So this year, um, probably one of the biggest things that I've seen a great value in is in expanding to Velocity Wellness Institute. As you know, we, we added the hormone replacement therapy and the peptide therapy as well as the, the, um, the IV therapy. And these type of life hacks are so important 
to keep people feeling and looking their best, right? We talked earlier about ego and how um, invasive that can be to the mind that you can't do something, you don't look a certain way, you don't perform a certain way. Um, and people know what to do. They don't know when to speak up. And I think that if we can be the voice in our clinical practice, in what we do on our social media platforms, what we do on our podcast, we can truly drive the industry in a manner that comes from integrity, right. compassion, education, and make it result-based. Um, I was joking around when I grabbed that picture the other day, and I had just had my, um, my body fat composition done on the in-body scan, and it came back in the threes. And uh, a guy was in there, and um, he was doing it, and a uh, nice guy, patient of the practice, and, uh, <laughs> and he chuckled because his was like 18 or 20. Uh -huh. And so I didn't really, really want to show him mine. Right. So uh, I folded it over, and he grabbed it, and then he went through categories and categories. And I had said to him, I go, you know what? I make it a point to celebrate the wins every day. Right. When I lost those 40 pounds, most people lose that kind of weight. They say, I found them, and it's because they're overweight. Yeah. Right? When I lost that weight, it was devastating to me that how I changed, right? And the blessing that I have with Velocity Wellness Institute is bringing the peptide therapy and the uh, hormone replacement therapy at right. 48, 49 years old. It allowed me to get my physique back. It accelerated my recovery, um, better digestive uh, function, sleep. Uh, everything felt better. And if I was telling people about life hacks and you're going through aches and pains and they're, they're not clinical where you need surgery or pain management, that's a great um, avenue or, or sp specific medicine, if you will, right. to investigate, do your research. Uh, feel free to reach out to us and we'll give you a ton of information. Our, our medical department is, is remarkably versed on it uh, and excited behind it. They see the results that I've gotten and uh, I joke around because you know I'm always coming in for cryo or something yeah. afterwards. And uh, you know, being in shape uh, at any age is amazing. Uh, but doing it gracefully and then being mindful about it and taking care of yourself. Um, if we're gonna walk the walk, you know, uh, and or talk the talk, I wanna do both, right? I wanna lead from the front, I wanna look good, I wanna feel good, I wanna be able to challenge my body, um, but I wanna be thankful for my body that it lets me do what I, I've done. And I think uh, many years and many times, so many times I hear people and, and read that countless times that they didn't take a moment to be thankful for the body they were given. Right. And to take care of it. And when they feel they need to rest. And, you know, being Doc, the trainer, it was always like, you know, I, I was, I loved the, the power of one more, but I was the definition of one more rep. Yeah. One more dribble. Uh -huh. One more sprint. Um, and I'd say it, it made us famous in Mom County for that stretch. You couldn't go anywhere without somebody saying, train my kid, train yeah. my daughter, train my son, coach right. this, you know, run this, do that. Right. You know, so I think, I think that was super important. Yeah, absolutely. And like you just said, you're you're big and just velocity is big with overall wellness too. Getting better, getting back from injuries, but also seeing our patients excel in what they do outside of velocity. Their pain goes away, their injury goes away. It's not just a see you later. You know, you're one to be on our case <laughs> um, about following up with patients and it's what we do and know best right and going off of that what's your advice to people out there that aren't even patients at velocity to where once their injury is 
gone and they're feeling great 100%. As far as body maintenance goes with whether it's workouts or even just seeing their chiropractor, how would you explain that to them? You know what? Um, healthcare practitioners alike have to do a better job. That's one thing I think their egos get in the way and they say they're fixed and they don't need to be touched again. Um, most repetitive overuse injuries come back because people are creatures of habit, right? So we work out the same way, we swing the club the same way, we swing the baseball bat, we jump off the same leg, we uh, tackle somebody the same way. And when you have these recurrent overuse injuries or you know, repetitive injuries, you wanna try to figure out how to in interrupt that cycle, break the cycle, and have them be very cognizant of it. Have them be aware of their mind-body connection to be like, wow, when I'm stressed, I'm working out three times a day. Yeah. When I'm, you know, when I'm financially in a bad place, I do this. When I'm, you know, when I'm depressed, I drink. And it's that breakdown on the body that's going on. And like, how do we take care of ourselves? How do we have a level, how do we level up? How do we get better? Right. You know? And that's why you said level up and it's getting to that next level and just, you know, it's a privilege and honor just to be on, you know, your first ever podcast. It's pretty freaking cool. So we are leveling up big time here at Velocity and, you know, really excited to see what's to come and take it from there. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to close out on this. You guys, absolute uh, wonderful experience to be on our first podcast today. We are going to be remarkably consistent and disciplined as we bring guests on to the set uh, and interview them about their life experiences, the wins and losses, what they've learned, uh, hear about their um, rituals and routines, whether they have books or content to get out there and push you, um, the thoughts that become things, all the different uh, spiritual lessons we can learn, uh, practicing gratitude and listening level, self-care, all the things we talked about today, and make it so that it's readily available um, and make it so that people can understand and apply it. <clears throat> right. So many times I think people that we talked earlier uh, about when they're looking everywhere, they've tried everything, but most times they're trying stuff and they're not looking deep into the why. Right. And if we can or show Or they that, tried it once or twice and didn't yes, follow through. And they didn't stay with it. Right. Yep. And that's one of the things you learn about physical medicine all the time is, um, and I think this was something Christian uh, brought to me when he joined the practices, you know, one of the number one failures in patient care is their compliance. Right. Yeah. Sticking with it. Totally. Rituals and routines, understanding the process. And that's why I think for anything, whether you're communicating out to a vast audience or you're talking to a person, listening to what they want to do, uh, letting them know that what the steps are, the process along the way, uh, tell them to anticipate pitfalls, to appreciate a loss because the win is that much better when you, know, you can appreciate where you came from and what you did. And, uh, and I think if we put ourselves in that situation, I think we're winning. I think the patient's winning. And I think our audience is going to win. So anyway, I'm thankful, Matt. Thank you for joining us on uh, day one. Absolutely. Uh, looking forward to the evolution of this podcast and where we go from here. And right. uh, let's rock it. Thank it you. was a privilege. Time to level up.